I just haven't heard this in a while. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> what? Oh, come on, don't we love this song? We all do. Yeah, but this yeah. is yeah. with the movie. I know, Kelly Wan, this is for us. This is not for the movie. It's not even for the listeners, necessarily. This is a little Dwight Twilly for us. On the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast, even though this week we are talking about a movie called Enough Said, in, in a way this is a more special podcast than that. This is not just the Enough Said podcast. Uh, and I'll get to that in a minute. But first, my name is Tom Chick. And I am here this week with Christian Mulalski. No, it's Buddy or Buster or something. <laughs> and let's have actually an Enough Said tagline from Kelly Wand. Uh, relationships are like guacamole. You can try to scrape out the onions, but you're still going to taste them. <laughs> That's very nice, Kelly Wan. <laughs> I quite like that. Now, before we talk about it, no, well, by, the end, of, by the end of this podcast, that disgusts me. Uh, save it for the podcast. <laughs> well, before we get to that, uh, we uh, this is a momentous event in that we are going to, in three years of doing this silly thing, Four years? Three years? In many years of doing this podcast, yeah, four years, we have finally turned it over to the listeners to let you guys decide <laughs> what we're going to see next week. Mm. Oh, I missed that song already. I do too. It'll be back at the end of the podcast. The song will be back. The Is your playing that like supposed to like influence what we see next week? You're like, hey, let's see. Well, no, it was a matter of, because we're going to be doing this for a minute before we talk about Enough Said. So we had a listener pledge drive slash lottery, and for every dollar somebody donated, they got a vote to help us decide what movie we're going to see next week. Um, so rather than try to think of some music that would go with Enough Said, I just decided, hey, let's pick some music that we all like. And we're all quite <laughs> fond of it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's nothing to do with the entries or the sweepstakes, but just correct. Like so the, for us, because this is an exciting, it's kind of like a little party true. we're having. Turn over to the listeners. So here's over, the thing for us. <laughs> well, I, I presume the listeners. I presume we we hopefully got some people to see this really cool horror movie called Your Next. Um, that's one of the services we do. Is we like to try to ferret out things like that. We like to maybe try to warn people away from things like um, Kelly Wan. What's a horrible movie we've warned people away from? Uh, Celeste and Jesse forever. We didn't see that, so uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll warn people away from that. Yes, we tried to warn them away. Exactly, we did our best there. So, but at any rate, for next week, what we did is we let, we encouraged people, and I cannot tell you how how deeply appreciative I am how many people turned out to do this. It it was really touching to see the the number of votes, the generosity. Uh, We got a lot of donations from people who were wanted to pick for us what movie we're going to see next week. So before we talk about Enough Said, let's just have a little party about that and celebrate the fact that, that people were so generous and that there were so many people who wanted to participate in this. What I have here is a legal pad, and I started at the top of the legal pad, and I wrote the name of the movie, the number of dollars donated, each one a vote, and the number of the donator. 
Now, no, only one person said, please don't read my name. One guy whose name I accidentally read last week said, please use this name instead of my real name. So I apologize to James B's Orchard. Who I just did it again. Uh, Is this but, the party segment, by the way, right now? Well, let, let me get this party started and yeah, just cut, right. cut to the chase. We have $1,740 donated to our podcast in total uh, going towards picking next week's movie. Right. And I am just, I, you know, I thought we might get, a, you know, a couple of hundred people would donate a dollar here and there. Uh, it just, I, I am so I, just flabbergasted at how generous people have been. Uh, I had no idea it would do that. And I, I would like to say I'm speechless, but I'm obviously not because I'm burbling away right now. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, girlfriend of the podcast, Sarah Butterworth, pledged uh, $10,000 for us to see Prometheus again. Well, that means there's a 50% chance, according to math that I have previously elaborated on, that uh, we'll have to see it then. Okay. So one of the really encouraging things about this has been watching as as people uh, donate, because, you know, when I check my PayPal, I can see who donated how much and when. Uh, and for the most part, it seems like people, because we, we announced this several weeks in advance, for the most part, it seems like people sort of hung back they considered how much to donate they gave it some thought and they hit the little button and they wrote their movie in some people wrote some really cool explanations there were some weird choices and some people felt the need to explain why they made that choice um but what was really funny is watching some people kind of change their mind like donate for <laughs> one movie and then later go oh no no here here's this movie and one of my favorites and i don't want to out him because i don't know if he they have to redonate to do that though, right well, yeah. So, for instance, here's one of the funny ones. Uh, someone <laughs> donated 25 votes towards, he said, he basically wrote, uh, this is for Conan the Barbarian. Or, if you really want to, and these, these kind of caveats were adorable as well. He, he said, or, if you really want to, this was Dave Hemke, if you really want to, uh, just watch Corvette Summer instead. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, but then, but then immediately, like, like almost minutes later, he sent another dollar donation to say, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I almost made a terrible mistake. I wanted to make sure to specify that you understood I meant the 1980 Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Thank <laughs> so, you, Blaze. So, yeah, so, so all the told... It's not the Barbarian. Wasn't it just called Conan? Like, when uh, I'm not sure, but all told, he, he pledged $26 towards Conan <laughs> to, to, to specify. But my favorite has to be... Uh, and I, I don't want to out his incredible generosity, but I will say that the, the movie that has the most votes right now, and it didn't begin this way, is something that I was confusing with the third Evil Dead, but it's not. And Dingus and I talked a little bit about it. I, I then, I, For some reason, I think it's a documentary about the Algerian uprising, but I don't think it's that. It's a movie called Army of Shadows. And the way this worked out is Jeff Sweet apparently really wants us to see this. And if you look at how Jeff Sweet uh, pledged. He started out, you know, okay, ten dollars on Army of Shadows, and then later he put down like a couple of five dollar votes. Where were they for uh, a movie? I've never heard of this. Ivan's Childhood. What? And then later he was like, oh, you know what? Five dollars on Miami Connection. Never heard of that. <laughs> Is that a sequel to the Gene Hackman one? With I was, I was thinking of the thing with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that, Miami, Miami Blues. Blues. 
Yeah. That's a good movie. I like that one. I, I do too. But that's not what Jeff Sweet wanted us to see. Oh. Oh. But then he circles around a few days later and he puts $20 down on Army of Shadows. And then a few days later, more money on Army of Shadows and more and more. And finally, all told, Jeff, bless your heart, I, I am pulling for Army of Shadows because he definitely was as well. The movie that got the most votes is easily, far and away, Double the second place most votes is Army of Shadows over several successive days of Jeff Sweet obviously wanting to make sure that it got that it pulled into the lead. Uh, <laughs> Army of Shadows. Yeah, don't even know what it is. Very uh, surprising. I, I don't know if that's the case. Dingus, what is it? What do we know about it? It's black and white. It's oh, what year is it? <laughs> Tom hates black. <laughs> Tom hates non-colors. It's an old saying in Oklahoma. Wait, I'm sorry, Dingus. What were you saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm stuck on Tom hates non-colors. <laughs> it's not racism per se. Is it like an old movie, or do they just make it black and white to show the stark contrast between war and peace? Yes, it was directed by um, Alexander Payne. It's just a weird sort of uh, modern movie about that. No, sorry. It's it's from it's it's from 1969. It's it's it was something that oh. I think we did. Um, I I seem to remember watching it for there was a there was a time when we used to do a quarter to three uh, forum movie club, and I believe that's when I saw it. Um, and it's a uh, it was uh, it's from the end of the 1960. I think I think it's 1969, and it's just uh, um, so about. Yeah, I've seen it. It's quite well done, but um, <laughs> you, you sound iffy about doing a podcast about it. Like I'm maybe just Jeff Sweet's overcommitted. No, no, no. What, what I'm most what I'm most focused on is you writing a synopsis for this movie. Am I right, uh, Dingus, that it's about the Algerian uprising, or am I thinking of something else? There was only one. There was a recent one against France. Which there planet's was... Algeria again? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. I don't remember well enough. I just remember it being said in France during the war, like in the forties. I don't uh, remember, and, and I thought it was, I thought it was uh, in a in a prison camp. But um, oh, it sounds tedious. Oh, it sounds deadly dull. I don't remember any good movies that came out in sixty nine. Like it's like sixty. What year's Lawrence of Arabia, Kelly Wand? Sixty three. Oh yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> It's, well, it's like the French Resistance or something. I don't remember. I don't remember Algeria having anything to do with it. But you know, I'm. Oh, sorry. I like that better. Okay, you know what? I like. I like it's the yeah. difference. That makes me want to see it. Well, the Algerian uprising. Algeria was a, uh, I guess, technically a colony, and there's some documentary slash dramatization about the uprising, which was a significant moment in in, in France's sort of national identity and uh, and how they responded to it and. Uh, I think there's some documentary slash dramatization about it that I'm confusing with Army of Shadows. If Army of Shadows is just about resistance fighters in World War II, sounds awesome. I'm all but for that. But if it's about zombies, and you were right the first time, and he just let's see zombies. It, you would think a movie called Army of Shadows would be about zombies, wouldn't you? Well, it's not a real. I mean, shadows can't fight. It's metaphor, Kelly Wand. Oh. <laughs> Uh, some of my favorites as well were people who obviously didn't want to impose anything on us, so they gave us some choice. For instance, uh, where's my favorite one? One of them, okay, uh, Ben Halliburton put 10 votes down for Martyrs, which is a movie uh, Kelly Wand and I have talked about. Uh, 
notoriously difficult to watch. I loathed Martyrs until literally the, the final scene, which did something really cool, at which point I thought it was brilliant. But what uh, Ben wrote is, and if Martyrs is too much for Dingus to handle, he, he put in a runner-up. <laughs> he, was, he was really concerned about Dingus not being able to stomach Martyrs. I think he can, actually. I have confidence in Dingus. But what was uh, the runner-up? Uh, something called The Hidden Face. <laughs> it sounds worse. <laughs> like Dingus couldn't handle that. It sounds actually like I can't handle it. A lot of these are things I'd never even heard of. Like I mentioned, uh, there's a, a movie called Close to Eden – that huh. someone is really eager for us to see that I'd never heard of. Uh, that's me calling out poor James Bees Orchard's name, even though he asked me not to, and I've now done it a third time. have no idea what Close to Eden is. Uh, our f- friend of the podcast, Bruce Garrick, put three votes down for Ulysses' gaze. I still don't know anything about that. <laughs> Orchard and Eden's a garden, so there could be a connection. Uh, <laughs> Do you know a movie called- title to Blue at the Mism. <laughs> Do you know uh, inside jokes, very good, Dingus. Uh, we were we were goofing on Patrick O'Brien novel names. They were. I was being serious about them. Uh, do you guys know a Peter Greenaway movie called The Falls? Uh, sounds familiar, but I haven't seen it. Ten votes for that. Uh, uh, longtime friend of the podcast, Paul Weimer, that's how you say his name, uh, put seven votes for Solar Crisis. Oh my, wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's movie. Yep. And he gave us the year, and it sounds like some disaster thing. I have no idea. Solar babies. Yeah, uh, solar, you know what? Let solar me just babies go... is what I immediately thought of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what this I was thinking of. Intense. This is like the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of my favorites from Nate Schubert. He said, flip a coin. If it's heads, I want Tom to have to watch Hunt for Red October. We all have to, but he wants me to have to sit through Hunt for Red right. October. And if it's tails, he wants Dingus to have to sit through MacGruber. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather Tom suffers. I think we should all have to see something different. You have to see that. I have to see Hidden Faces. Uh, well, we know that MacGruber, and then we all have to talk about it as if we're all talking about the same movie. Uh, a buddy of ours named John Roberdu said, and I mentioned this last week, Kelly Wand gets to pick between Hellraiser or Candyman. That's, <laughs> That's a tough choice for some reason. Uh, this person, person who specifically said, don't mention my name, so I won't, uh, Anonymous <laughs> said, either Carrie or NeverEnding Story, but he specified <laughs> that Dingus gets to pick. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Uh, let's see. We have. <laughs> I would assume Dingus wouldn't pick Carrie, but here's one of my favorite ones. Which Benjamin one? Benjamin Mowell said, "Have Kelly Wand pick something, preferably something dumb." Except mm. <laughs> we already have so, two. So the only yeah. movie there were two instances or two movies that separate people voted for. Zapped was one of them. Yay! The other one was a a, a Sean Bean movie I, I really like called uh, Black Death. Uh, the two people who voted for it were brothers, mm. so it's almost like the same person voting. It's brother against brother, but except for the uh, verses. Right, <laughs> brother with brother. Yeah, it's brother with brother. Uh, Brian Talbot, bless his little heart, basically said, I want you guys to pick something that brings the most amount of collective happiness to all three of you. Aw, uh, that would <laughs> be zapped again. So adorable. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't think it's possible. 
so let me just go down the list then and just to, to let listeners – should I do this or should we just pick some? You guys are curious. I imagine everyone's curious. I, um, I'm just going to go down the list. Here, Here's everything that has more than 50 votes, which means that it had more than $50 donated towards us. And again uh, – I'm just stunned at, at you guys' generosity. I, I appreciate it so much. Um, so here are the things that got more than, than 50 votes. Uh, the Hired Hand, no idea. Uh, the pick <laughs> between Carrier Neverending Story that Dingus gets to pick. Uh, a 2008 movie, and I looked this up, and now I'm intrigued, called Quid Pro Quo. And the reason I want to see this is because the director's next movie was called Burning Bright, and it's about Garrett Dillahunt boarding up a house with Brianna Evigan in it, and then putting a tiger in there that he got from Meatloaf. <laughs> How's he get it in? Uh, he backs the truck up to the house. Oh. He's in a cage in the back of the truck, and he does the thing where you lift up the back of the cage while it's against the door. Wait, he so, got Meatloaf uh, the singer? Yeah. Who, what, do you, what do you think I meant? From a from edible Meatloaf? Like yeah, it was I thought a he made a tiger out of Meatloaf. <laughs> So at any rate, this guy who did this horror movie called Burning Bright, his last movie was something called Quid Pro Quo. We have a lot of votes towards that. Here, this one I presume is for Dingus. Big Trouble in Little China. Absolutely not. Two. Oh, actually, this wasn't two people. One person voted for Armageddon. He put fifty votes down, and then later he he came back and he slapped down another fifty votes on Armageddon. Uh, oh no! Obviously, Michael Bay. He's a high roller. It was not Michael Bay who did it. Michael Bay did not donate to this podcast as far as I know. Uh, Black Death, uh, Army of Shadows, of course. Um, Someone put down, I love this, 100 votes on Crawl. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Uh, We had two separate people, actually. It's another one where two several people separate people voted for a Tyler Perry movie called Why Did I Get Married 2? Wait, 2? It's a sequel to apparently Why Did I Get Married. Or is it Why Did I Get Married 2? Question mark and question marks the name of the girlfriend. Kelly Wan, the answer is yes to both of those. Uh, Can we watch all the runners up though? I feel bad for the people who like donated a lot. Well, here's the thing. I'm dying to see Army of Shadows now. Anybody who cares that much that he wants us to see Army of Shadows, I got to find out what that is. But yeah, of course, we can watch all. I mean, Crawl's 100. Kelly, all we're doing is we're deciding which one we're specifically doing for the podcast. All right. Wait, what? No, I meant we should do podcasts of all the runners up before we die. Okay. Well, here's another one, Kelly Wand, uh, that made over 50 votes The Shining. What do you think of that? Which one? The Peter Weber one? Not specified, but I'm going to guess it's the Peter Weber. What? Stephen oh, Weber. Yeah. Stephen <laughs> Weber. Peter Weber of RoboCrap. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's the Kubrick one. Uh, the Hellraiser Candyman split. Patton. Yeah. Someone uh-huh. incorrectly guessed I hadn't seen Patton. I'd love to do a podcast on it, though. I have seen it, but Patton got several votes. Uh, close <laughs> yes. to Eden. Uh- Someone put down uh, votes for Don John, which comes out this weekend. As part of the, fortunately, though, the whole part of the reason for picking this weekend is we did not want to see Rush. Nobody put money on Rush. Thank God. Yeah, not even not even Z Bone could raise a dollar. <laughs> uh-huh. So those were the big vote getters, and now I'm just going to go down the list. So bear with me here. I'm just going to read everything else uh, that got under 50 votes. Reanimator, something ah. called Bad Boy Bubby. Kelly Wan, do you know what that is? Uh, I don't see movies with that many bees. <laughs> the Spy Who Came In From The Cold, uh, Red Line, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, sounds horrible. 
uh, a John Frankenheimer movie I've never heard of called Seconds. Zapped. Kelly, uh, what you're familiar with? Under 50? Uh, Martyr. Yes. <laughs> Martyrs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Girl Fight. And actually, this guy, when he posted oh, yeah. Girl Fight, said everybody should see Girl Fight, which I, I agree. I, I haven't seen it, but I would watch a, Mich- a Michelle Rodriguez movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one that catapulted her to the fame of boys playing helicopter pilots. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, dollar on Mitchell, the Joe Don Baker classic. That's a good one. Secret of Roan Inish. Uh, a movie called Free Money, a movie called The Misfortunates, um, Bloodsport. Yeah. Uh, This one. Master and Commander. Ah. Switchblade Sister, Night of the Living Dead. Which one? Here's the original. Definitely he specified the original. Uh, Something I've never heard of called Elvis Gretton, Le King du Kings. And I wasn't even sure if this was a joke. I looked it up, and it's something about a Chinese Elvis impersonator. It's a real movie. Uh, Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> Twelve Angry Men. Here, here's something I've I like that those are next to each other. <laughs> Royal Space Force, colon, Wings of Honamese. What? I have no idea. Uh, I love movies with colons in the title. Bonamus or something like that, yeah. Oh, isn't, it, and the, isn't that a, um, an anime? Oh, God, are you serious? I believe so. Wow. Master well, Commander's got a colon and two book titles. I don't know why you need Fight Club and Bloodsport. Yeah. Se- well, separate people picked. It's just a reboot. And by the way, there will only be one winner today. There can only be one. <laughs> uh, here's a movie I've never heard of. It's a disaster. Don't know. Uh, zero Effect. Wait, wait. Oh, Zero Effect. Uh, that's a good movie. I don't know what to say about it, except it's good, though. Right? Zulu. Ah. Way, way of the Gun. Whatever. Oh, here's another one. Uh, whatever Christian wants. <laughs> Someone just That's votes me. towards oh, okay. have Christian pick something. And by the way, nobody let me pick anything. Thanks, jerks. <laughs> Kelly Wand and Christian both in certain votes get like veto power. I, I could benefit from a coin toss, but nobody said, oh, just have Tom Chick pick something. Well, because you're uh, always the vetoer, maybe. And the so- skin I live in. Synecdoche, New York. Oh, God. Freaked. No. Masterpiece. I've never Freaked. Freaked is Freaked. really good. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. Alex Winter. Uh, Ender's Game, which hasn't opened yet. <laughs> Someone paid money to vote for that. Michael Keaton's Batman. Uh, Ghostbusters. I like Ghostbusters, I think. Here's another one I haven't heard of. The Girl Who Leaped Through Time. Love no, that name. Uh, have you heard of this one? Uh 20 votes for something called Star Wars. Ugh, what? 20? That's way too many. I'm surprised. That's a waste of money. La, 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 la. <laughs> Which one? Original? Done and done. Uh, the Peter Greenaway movie called The Falls. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> Underrated. The, the Machine Girl. Oh, is that a sequel to the Christian Bale? Uh, Ulysses Gaze, Midnight Cowboy, mm. How to Train Your Dragon. I haven't seen it. What? And finally, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Ah. All right, so those are all of the picks. All told, thank you guys so much. I, I just, I, again, I'm just flabbergasted at y'all's generosity. Uh, this has been amazing. Now, however, is... The moment where Kelly Wand has opened in her browser window. I have the list. We're doing a little segregation of duties here. I have the list. 
Kelly Wand, you are going to go to to random.org, and in that little place where you specify the minimum value and the maximum value, minimum value is $1, maximum, or just one, maximum is 1740 1740 oh, Really? And what this is going from is I'm just going to go from the top, and I've got the numbers broken down basically in the order they were, sub- were submitted. So, Kelly Wand, if it's a 1, it's the most recently picked. If it's a 1740, or the most recently submitted. If it's a 1740, it's one of the earlier ones that we got. Wait, start all over? Well, you know what? Kelly Wand just hit put 1 in the minimum value, yeah. and 1740 in the maximum value. Hit the generate button. Tell me what number you got. All right, are you ready? Yep. Uh, well, should I do a sound effect, or it's just like a click, huh? <laughs> you can do it however you like. Uh, do you want to guess what it was? I do not. Uh, nine forty-four. <laughs> All right, nine forty-four. Oh God, are you serious? Wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, Kelly Wand, really? What? What happened? How bad can it be? All right, <laughs> the movie we will be seeing next week. Thanks to everyone for playing. Congratulations. Oh to- no, I'm scared. <laughs> Congratulations to um. Soren Hoogland. Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. Who picked I'm for next week's movie Tyler Perry's oh. Why Did I Get Married To? Are you kidding? <laughs> oh my god. That's the best ending I could have thought. That's so good. I don't understand. I don't understand what you guys just did right now. <laughs> Nothing just made sense. Yeah, None Dick's- of what just happened made sense. And, yeah, and look what you're holding now, too, after all of it. A Tyler Perry movie. Was what I did, Dick, is, is I listed, I just, I went in the PayPal account and I listed every donation in the order I received it and uh. the amount that was donated. And then I added in the left hand column what all the numbers add up to total. What an upset. What a fucking upset. So, Kelly randomly picked and it I'm up. I'm referring, of course, to Dingus's. <laughs> psychological state. So for those of you listening, tune in next week. It's our first Tyler Perry movie. I've never even seen yeah. one, by the way. I know he did like a kind of a serial killer thing. I recently. think he's supposed to be black. <laughs> I know about him. So right we're there. off to a, a heck of a start. Uh, one wanted us to see that. And it was obviously, he didn't even, he put that as a JK. I don't think he did. Oh, he didn't. I bet he hasn't seen it. I don't know why he would pick that if he hasn't seen it. Other people put $100 and thousands of dollars on... All right, so to be fair, in the interest of full disclosure, he wasn't the only one to pick that. Uh, it was picked by Charles Wheeler and Soren Hoogland. All told, and I hope nobody minds me outing I can't believe this. this is happening. I can't. All told, it got 70 votes. So it was definitely one of the front runners. <laughs> but oh, wait, how is that possible? This is not possible. This it's can't not be happening. Wait, what do you mean this is not possible? You guys, okay, you guys not understand how math works. I don't. I <laughs> no. know that everything is 50%. So that had 50% chance and everything else did too, according to the way you do math. Right. But according to the number generator that Kelly Wan picked and the way that I listed everything. So Wait, taking the fall for this, me because I generated the number or you no. because – All of us. Everyone. Even the it, listeners. Especially Digus. He's really to blame for everything, <laughs> if you ask me. I agree. He was pulling for this Tyler Perry movie from the beginning, secretly. I actually, so I, I do recommend, so at quarter to three, we do have a, a, a message board. <laughs> What's there's a sub, there's a, there's a sub forum on the message board for movies, and Charles Wheeler has actually been writing about Tyler P- 
Perry movies, and I, I actually thought what he'd written about it, I never had any desire to see one really, but but I was a little fascinated with how much he'd followed Tyler Perry's career and some of these movies and, and how he was watching them in earnest and talking about how Tyler Perry has grown as a filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... He does do really uh, careful write-ups of these movies. I mean, I've, yeah, I've yeah. glossed over he's, a lot of them. He's playing Alex Cross, isn't he? That controversial. I, is he even an actor? Yeah. He's a writer. Oh. He's I in all no of idea. his movies, and he was in. he's in the latest Alex Cross movie. He was. Has uh, he been in any movies that aren't Tyler Perry movies? Ale- the, uh, the latest Alex Cross movie. But I heard... Wait Black- a minute, hold on. I have a question. Tyler Perry's the name of a person, not a character, right? right. It's the name of the director. Actor. Right. He didn't direct um, Alex Cross? No. I don't oh. think so. He's a comedy director. It's like... Uh, Is it those Medea movies? Is that Tyler Perry? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I'm excited because this is, for us, a whole new world. Like, I, I prize <laughs> watching lots of different kinds of movies, even things I don't... Grandpa movies, whatever. I'll do... I'll watch anything. Yeah, I've never seen Tyler Perry movies. This is a first for me. It's a first for the podcast, I, I guess. A Tyler Perry movie synopsis. Come on, Callie Wand. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to that, but I remember when I saw a preview for the Alex Cross movie, I heard black people in the audience around me moaning, like, oh, God, Tyler Perry's on. Like, even they didn't want, what? Yeah. Okay, well. But wait, which one, what's the name of this one? Why Did I Get Married 2, which Why I think is a sequel, because he, uh, uh, so, I forget if it was Soren or Charles so who Why Did I Get Remarried? But he basically wrote, you could see the original as well, but specifically this is the one. <laughs> We're seeing a sequel on top of everything else that's dumb. It's a sequel to a movie we haven't seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Shelly Wand, I don't want to hear you grousing. Considering the amount that got donated, that we will all, be, that we'll all be going towards us seeing more movies, supporting the podcast, uh, I, this is it's the least we can do is to suck it up and watch a Tyler Perry movie. It's way more than the least. Yeah. So but that's it has obviously this was a clearly a legit uh, enterprise. It, it, actually, it might be the per, the perfect sequel to this week's podcast. <laughs> well, speaking of this week's podcast, Dingus, what did we see this week? Hey, the well, mock poll was five forty seven. The one I did after that. Just want you know. What was 547? Like, if it had been one more. Never mind. <laughs> uh, this week we saw Enough Said. Yeah. Mm. A 2013 American <laughs> comedy movie. About white people getting married. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, directed by Nicole Hallcenter and written by her as well. It stars Julia Louis Dreyfus, <laughs> James Gandolfini, uh. Tony Collette. Ben Falcone <laughs> and Toby Huss. Uh, enough said is rated. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Who was who? Who, who was the guy? Was Toby Huss the dog, or who's Toby Huss? <laughs> That's the dog. That's dog's name. Tom to Tom Street on the internet. Toby who's... Huss was Peter. He's the he's uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus's ex husband. Ah, okay. Oh, the, okay. I really like that guy. All right, so Enough Said is rated PG-13 for crude and sexual content, mm. comic violence. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Have we heard that one before? No. Not even a comic book movie. 
Right. What, was the, what was the comic? Well, all right, we'll get to that in a moment. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, James. I don't remember any comic violence. <laughs> uh, comic violence, language, and partial nudity. Hmm. That seems like a contradiction. Either nude or you're... I think it's if you have a sheet wrapped around you as partial nudity, maybe. If, a, if an actress goes, I can see your penis, but you don't see it, that's partial. <laughs> it's audio, not visual. I have real boobs, plus I can see your penis. Right. Uh, all right, let's see. So Enough Said only opened in four theaters. So the yeah. odds are Tom. around the country. Odds are you have not seen it. Uh, and are not listening to any of this. And don't uh, see a Tyler Perry movie. It does not have, therefore, any uh, legitimate box office yet. Maybe it'll get there. Um, however, it has been reviewed. On Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Enough Said is at 76. Huh. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, it is at 94% positive. Uh, that's go. the Gandolfini factor, maybe. I will say, however, that uh, the number one movie this weekend, Prisoners, which made $20 million, uh. oh, man, did we make the right call. <laughs> you saw it? You sat. It was two and a half hours. I know. I know. Like and the trailer was like making me go, Jesus, this is good. I don't I want. Thought like, you, I thought you wanted to see it, Kelly Wand. Uh, more than I wanted to see middle-aged sex comedy, maybe. But then I don't it's know. Really ponderous. It is so, and it's it's. it's it looks. Just, it, it, oh, go on. I'm sorry. Well, it's just this dopey, implausible yeah. crime thriller thing, and I really resent how it plays with this uh, kind of children in danger. It looks like it wants to be about issues, which always turns me off. Like, I want my thrillers as dumb as possible. It's, it's plenty dumb, and whatever That's issues... It's, yeah, and whatever issues it touches on are, are just promptly blown away for the, the expediency of the dopey plot. I mean, it's, it's really uh, just a stupid, dumbass crime thriller, uh, but with a really good cast. And, and it even has some really effective moments, but they're just completely wasted in this thing. Uh, so I'm so glad we did not see for the podcast uh, Prisoners. Um, huh. 20's what, a lot, though. What's a lot? 20? Uh, it's a slow weekend. Well, you know what? I what. It made $20 million. It's the first-time director. Uh, I think it's because it's a slow weekend. And I'm pretty convinced that the $20 million are basically for Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, it's it's just yeah. a thriller with well-known Beef guys cake. who – yeah, with, yeah, exactly. Beefcake in the snow. Yeah. But uh, women don't want to see kidnapping movies. And then them torturing people. But they do want to see Hugh Jackman, I guess. I don't know. Eh, they'd rather see him sing about loaves of bread and shit. <laughs> With Russell Crowe. If I understand women at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's see. So Kelly Wand, if you were to spoil Enough Said by basically <laughs> telling us everything that happens in it. I'm so psyched for this, by the way. Uh, uh, what would you call such a monologue, Kelly Wand? What would you call what I would call it? Here's what I would call it. I, when I knew that we were going to be recording the podcast a day late, I thought I would, you know, I would dutifully tweet on the at QT3 Twitter account. Please follow that. Uh, that we're going to be a day late. Uh, I thought folks would want to know. They knew that we had the lottery thing coming up. Um, so I, I tweeted, um, our, our podcast for some, for something else, uh, is going to be a day late. Something else. So, yeah, for some reason, I thought the movie was called Something Else. I, I really? went through all day yesterday. 
You know, I, I even tweeted this. I wrote that's not a bad title for it. A, a Simon Baker movie, I think, because it's about remarriage. I, I I'm not crazy about the title of this movie, uh, but uh, I, I, I don't, they never say it in the movie, and it doesn't, doesn't really apply to the movie. It's like enough said. It's like what happens in the movie. Like, so Kelly, one, if I were to call this something, I would call it your your synopsis. If I were to label it, I would label it the something elsopsis. Uh, you'd be wrong, but. There's a friend of mine who, like, when he malaprops, he always his malaprops are better than the original thing. And he was trying to remember the name of that uh, show, Growing Pains, with Kurt Cameron, and he misremembered it as All the Right Choices. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long way to go. I know. That was years ago, and I still remember that. What did he, how did he misremember the Tom Cruise movie? Tom Cruise, <laughs> That's not that movie. Wait, are you thinking of all the right moves? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah, you think of that? That's, that's the French translation. <laughs> oh, man. But not losing it. <laughs> huh. I just thought of the synopsis, but I was just being lazy, I think. Well, then, Kelly Wand, why don't you, with the synopsis, drive it like you stole it? Ah. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. See? Is a masseuse with a British friend who I think's married to a weird guy with a beard, or vice versa. <laughs> Dingus like that. Although her job's getting people to take their clothes off so she can put their hands all over them. <laughs> Tell me what, have you ever had a massage? Do you, are you clear on how that works? Give me your hands. Uh, I've fully given them for money. I don't know. Was it a massage? I don't think I did it right. Uh, we'll discuss this after the podcast, Tom, please. I can't. All, the right, all the right choices. All the right choices. Uh, she's having trouble meeting guys, so the British friend takes her to a party my ex is at party. She takes her to a party my ex is at party. Huh, guys. Kelly, who wrote that? <laughs> me. Sounds like you're reading someone else's copy. <laughs> no, that's how my copy reads to me. I'm like, what the fuck wrote that shit every time? She meets Catherine Keener, a famous poet whom she envies because poems don't have to have happy endings. Oh. Massage. See, I had a massage. That proves it. I couldn't have written that joke. Not that it was a joke. They don't seem to initially have much in common, since one of them believes in chakras, pressure points, and central energies, and the other one's a masseuse. But when Julia Louise Dreyfus is all, I wouldn't fuck anybody at this party. It summons James Gandolfini like a genie. <laughs> R.I.P. I mean, uh, what kind of party would masseuses, poets, TV museum clerks, and British girls all fraternize? What a romantic comedy! <laughs> uh, I'll continue reading things I wrote in keeping with ancient sexual custom they evaluate their sexual compatibility by watching each other eat food she tells him he has hands like paddles and flinches from the goodnight kiss been on that day so to put her at her ease he has her over to his place for Sunday morning mimosas to see his penis also paddle shaped <laughs> this is dumb stop laughing Exchanging dental records in case of a car accident, even though they're staying in, and some weeding. That's what I saw happen in the movie, Tom. 
Since her daughter's moving away to another Sundance movie, Julia <laughs> Lee Curtis. <laughs> Uh, copes by knitting an orange hazmat suit and replacing her with a blonde girl. <laughs> Surprisingly, although Julia Louise Dreyfus starts giving massages to Catherine Keener and she turns out to be Gandolfini's ex-wife, the two daughters don't become friends. Unlike in Place Beyond the Ferns or whatever that Gosling Bradley Cooper thing was called. <laughs> although Keener and Gandolfini seem cool, and chill, Keener describes their marriage as the worst shit ever, because he was all thumb paddles in the bedroom, and he had guacamole issues. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus has already had sex with Gandolfini by this point, because he says sweet nothings like, can you breathe when I'm on top of you? (laughs) And she's not evincing signs of post-coital vomiting. But once Keener says this, suddenly Julia Louise Dreyfus can't enjoy sex anymore. Uh, she's unable to ever tell Gandolfini that the reason her fingers always taste like his ex-wife... Oh, God. ...because a doorbell rings once. But she doesn't break up with Gandolfini either, and she doesn't stop seeing Keener, even though she's only getting horrified reaction shots out of their association. As if the stakes weren't high enough already, her British girlfriend has problems of her own. Her maid keeps putting ping-pong paddles in the Gandolfini's hands drawer. Things come to a head at a dinner party at the British girlfriend's when she threatens Gandolfini. She's going to get him something called a calorie book if he doesn't learn how to whisper. But he gets back at her. <laughs> this is so stupid. But he gets back at her by withholding sex. <laughs> then she forgets to schedule Keener's appointments somewhere that her daughter and ex-husband are likely to show up at. And Gandolfini shows up, and suddenly Julia Louise Dreyfus is exposed as the psychopath. And hours worth of comic setups all reach the slightly depressing five-minute comeuppance we all paid to see. And we all learn something about ourselves and man's incapacity to love in the 21st century. Julia Louise Dreyfus's daughter heads off to tearful hugging school. Dreyfus. <laughs> 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 Otherwise known as the Ontario Airport. Or Sundance, third act. Uh, doesn't meet anybody else and finally gets the handsome young client to help her carry her mat up a lo- couple steps. So she stalks James Gandolfini until he lets her on his porch. And he tells her he didn't buy night tables. They decide to resume having sex occasionally. The end. Kind of short. Kelly Wan, that was something else. I tried. <laughs> Enough said about that, Sops. <laughs> All the right choices of that one. All the right choices. Uh, Dingus, go first. What did you feel about enough said? <laughs> the reason, by the way, I want to say the reason I'm having you go first is I feel like of the people on this podcast, you have the longest background with Julie Louise Dreyfus. What? Is that a euphemism? Dingus was really into Seinfeld. He's constantly like quoting it and stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus fan, and I loved Seinfeld. Yes, of course. Because I, I I've only I like I just know her. I knew she was on Seinfeld, but I didn't know that show. I just know her as the the chick from Veep, which we also love. Um, so I know I her from Old Christine, New Adventures of Old Christine. Okay, well you get to go second. I'll go third, Kelly Wan. All right. In order of our sequence of when we first liked her. Exactly. Okay. No, I loved this. 
Okay. <laughs> Kelly One, you don't. Sounds like you don't approve. Well, no, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a total sucker for this kind of movie. Um, I was a total sap at the end of it. Uh, I dissolved, and um, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed, but you know, I really, really liked it. There's, uh, there's things that are wrong with it, but I loved it. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have any problems with it being just sort of a conventional romantic comedy? Are those some of your reservations, or do you even have reservations? Am I reading no. too much into your reaction? I wonder if I would have liked it if James Gandolfini hadn't died, because it's such a lovely what? Role. Well, just because then it would have just been like a romantic comedy, but now it's like it's like him being kind of sweet, and I don't know. It's, it's it like I don't really get funerals, but this seemed like. An appreciation, like what people get at a funeral. Kelly Wan, when they were shooting it, I don't think they knew he was going to die. <laughs> no, no, I know, but I'm saying it made the movie more poignant for me, and okay. I wouldn't have liked. But I like her too. I kind of feel the same way. I think Julia Louis Dreyfus was the real money on Seinfeld. I think she's like kind of the same character on all her shows, but she really gets her own face. Yeah, and I really liked her laugh at the end. Uh, but you are saying that the fact that Gandolfini has died colored the experience? Like, do you mean negatively or positively? Way. No, in a good way. positive way. And I got the sense I was in an audience of his peers, because it's only playing in four theaters, and everyone around me just seemed kind of old and rich. You know? uh, and so you're, you're saying, though, it just it, just to understand you, are you basically sort of saying you think you liked it more than you might have because yes. it died? Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, so, uh, yeah. mm-hmm, okay. Well, now go on. Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm with Dingus in that I, I loved this thing. I mean, part of me as I was watching it was thinking, well, this is a very conventional romantic comedy, the formula, by the way. I mean, it, it's absolutely formulaic. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Formulas are formulas for a reason, be- because they work. Um, so this is absolutely formulaic. Um, there's even a kind of... Uh, and I, I, I do this a lot, and I, I feel like I should articulate it better, but I don't really know how. There's a kind of a sitcominess or a TV light weightness to the basic premise. To, to uh, and the wrap up. The well, the, the, Kelly, where, where I want to go with this though is I think it rises above that. Um, it's only to the premise and to the situations, like when she has to duck around the bush when the daughter first comes in when she's at uh, at uh, Catherine Keener's house. That's such a sitcommy thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to hide over here. The same thing happens, by the way, uh, with with uh, Dwayne Johnson and the Tooth Fairy when his wings first pop out. He has <laughs> Hold to- on. Wait, look, what time is it? Okay. <laughs> he has to duck around behind a bush so nobody sees him. But it's such a sitcommy, lightweight thing. But I think my point overall is I, I loved this movie, and I feel that because of the actors, because of the director, uh, because of her insight into basically human foibles, uh, I feel it rises above the 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 sitcominess of its premise. And specifically because of the actors and their chemistry, it definitely rises above this kind of TV lightweightness. Um, so things that I was concerned about as I was watching it and as I was watching it unfold and that I think you would have to mention if you were to just describe it. I mean, if you just describe this, if you read the IMDb synopsis, it really does sound like the plot of an episode of Modern Family. Uh, it just sounds so lightweight. Um, well, well, yeah. but what I loved about it is I, I feel it, it has more substance than that. Um, 
Uh, I don't know that it has more substance than that, but I do agree that the chemistry sort of carries it over. Like, it never deepens from the hiding behind the shrubberies thing. They never pass this point of no return. I kind of disagree. I totally disagree. I think it has... I don't know if it, if I would say it has more... Well, I, I guess it does have more substance to it, but it also has more emotional weight. That, you know, when when you get to that point that you know is coming. I mean, you know um, that... The outing of her... Well, well. Before that, you 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 know that she's dating the husband of the woman that she's mis- massaging. I mean, you well, know once that again, that's... once again, I just want to point out, I love being dumb. I had no idea. Wait, what of what? You had no idea what? You didn't know that Al was the the. Nope. You, okay. What? Not until the movie told me. I swear to God, I had no idea. I was totally suckered by the twist. And by the way, they give it away in the plot synopsis on IMDb and in and the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. I had no freaking idea. So, Dingus, I, you guys, fine, might have. But once again, I'm so happy that I'm dumb. <laughs> That's so weird because I thought it was really telegraphed. Like, I think I would have gotten it if I hadn't seen the trailer. But anyway. Well, go ahead. Even, even if you don't know it, you know, when we get to the reveal point, because you know that's coming. I mean, after after you after she figures it out, right. uh, and then she sort of deals with knowing it and not telling anybody about it. You know, at some point we're going to get a confrontation, um, and I love the way that they handled that. It was it, there was an emotional depth to it that that rose above sort of a sitcom ideal. You know that. that that feeling of the of the way um, uh, Catherine Keener says hey, she's my friend, I, I thought, and the way he is just disappointed, and the the things the the scene kind of ends with a uh, rather than a bum bump, you know. Uh, uh, I really felt like there was a more of an emotional weight that goes beyond the, the sitcom, but I you know, I, I so uh, I don't know about I, I I kind of agree about the substance thing too because but. The the going away to college thing triggers uh, things that I feel as a parent anyway, um, so it it got me going. But but that uh, I want to get thing. Go ahead. I want to get back to that. But before we uh, before we get to that, Dingus, because you talk about the setup and the way that yes, it's such a sitcommy thing and the way it happens. Uh, did it remind you of any other director whose movies that we've seen? Uh, I don't know where you're going. Oh, uh, I think of Lynn Shelton, who does movies that are kind of like farce. Oh, yeah. And they have these, you know, your sister's sister and and Hump Day. They have these miscommunications that you might see in a sitcom. And rather than playing out like a punchline, they become these really human moments of sort of confrontation and understanding and and painfulness. Uh, You know, I I was just reminded of what Lynn Shelton did in in her movies. Um, Yeah, and, you know, I kind of felt that way whenever. Uh, whenever they would have a scene where they'd be sitting on the stoop and just like when they were pulling the grass or when at the end he Why are you wrecking my lawn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all good grass they're pulling out there. Um I just love the way and you know, I guess we have to bring this up sooner or later. Um what a huge loss is that we lose James Gandolfini. I mean, he's so good and he's just so simple and charming and uh, just he's just got such a great chemistry, and he's not forcing anything at all. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm reminded again of the first one of the first times I saw him in the Mexican, where he was really surprising, uh, a, a surprising presence. I mean, he's just a surprising presence in this movie because you have this mental impression of who he might be from the Sopranos, and he's just he's just such a 
a delight. I I'm just so pissed that we don't have them anymore. It Kelly Wand, it sounded like you were kind of disappointed that there was none of uh, his trademark menace, which is used no, no, great no. effect in The Sopranos, certainly in The Man Who Wasn't There, in Killing Him Softly, which we just recently saw. Uh, so, but that that's not an issue. That wasn't no, no, not at all. I loved his character. I thought he was great. It was a great role, and he was really good in it. I was just I'm talking about more like the like Catherine Keener is. She hates being married. She hated being married to him. And but the only example she gives are fairly innocuous ones, I would say. And it never it never gets darker from like an awkward turn at dinner that leads to a fight between Julia and James Gandolfini. Like they like like she thinks they're still going to spend the night together when they go home, and that's like the biggest fight they have until the reveal. So I it's not, it's not a very dark like uh, Lynn Shelton's movies are much. I think. They're a little less predictable and less formulaic. I think the key is what he says about poisoning. Rather, it's not a sledgehammer she takes to the relationship; it's poison. Yeah, but I don't. Even, it's like, why did she even do it? Like, why would she? Well, seemed a little vague. This Kelly one is where I I, I kind of want to defend the movie as having substance. I mean, Dingus, you're absolutely right about emotional depth and the connection between the characters. But the substance that I see and where I feel that uh, uh, Nicole, not Nicole, Hall of Center, what's her first name, Dingus? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Nicole Hall of Center, where I, I feel that she has so much insight uh, and that, that it has to do with what I feel is substance where this is a movie – it's a, it's a romantic comedy, and in many ways it's formulaic, in some ways it's pat, but this is a movie about adults dealing with issues that, that don't really come up in your usual romantic comedy, and the issues are things about parenting, about getting older, about, about sexuality, about the complicated nature of relationships between fully formed partly burned out people like emotionally yeah. drained people with their own baggage that the substance of this movie is it's a romantic comedy about what people are really like at that age and i'm getting up there where i start to I, you know i i i watch a, a slight romantic comedy and i can enjoy that and i can remember god i remember how awesome it was being 20 and dumb and falling in love with someone that was great there aren't many adult romantic comedies i, I feel like um and one of the things that i i feel where the movie shows the most substance, and Dingus, I know you responded to this as well, is how these characters, um, even though they they are going through all this stuff about their own baggage and their feelings, where it ultimately ends up for these characters, where they are at the end of this drama is as as parents. You know, it, it's so conscious that their kids are there and part of their lives, uh, and I love how the movie is about how it all comes down in a way to, to their children and their relationship to their children and how important that is and, and what a difficult moment it is in their lives when their children are growing up. Uh, and that, again, that's an aspect of, of, of adults, you know, that that's not something that you normally deal with in a romantic comedy. Um, it, it reminded me in a way of a movie that we also all really like, except Kelly Wan, who hasn't seen it, uh, called The Kids Are All Right, which mm. has a similar structure, again, where it's kind of this lightweight uh, sitcom-y thing about a lesbian couple and she has an affair with a dude. Whoa, that's wacky. But it doesn't play it that way. And and the kids are all right, as you can tell from the title, ultimately comes down to their relationship to their children. Uh, so for me, there's just a lot of substance in acknowledging the role of children in these people's lives. 
Yeah, but I don't see I don't relate to her hanging out with her client to hear dirt about the person she's going out with. Like I don't relate to that. And it's like a sitcom it's like something a wacky sitcom character does, and no one I know would really do it. For long. At our age. I, so it's like a sitcom fabrication. Okay. For for me, that's kind of a stand-in for just the fact that when you have a relationship, there's a lot of baggage with it. And you know, when you meet someone when you're 20, you're just kind of meeting a, a newly created person. When you meet someone when you're 40, 50, 60, you're meeting 40 years of history. Uh, and for me, even though it's kind of a sitcom-y situation, what I loved about this movie is her conflict – with her own baggage and also her friend's baggage and how it's sort of piled up. And, and as Dinga said, as, as they say in the movie, it introduced this toxicity. Because um, there was kind of I, – I loved the scene where she was being inadvertently cruel too because there's this sense of with baggage, you really can poison a relationship. Um, and that to me is like a serious subject. Um, that, that substance to me is this idea of poisoning a relationship, whether it's – Things you hear through other people or learned behaviors. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't stay friends with the Keener character. Well, she, and, she, I think she gets addicted, and she to doesn't. That. Yeah, that, that just I, I had trouble. The character seemed too charming and pleasant to like fall that quickly into that trap, where she's inevitably going to get caught out. And so, it's just a situation. The premise of the movie is already one I can't quite it's something kids do like you're talking about how the it, you know you relate to the parenting aspects of it. it's like they're doing something that 17 year olds would do like i would be friends with her so i can find out about him and go out so i have trouble relating to that i guess i don't know okay. okay well one of the wonderful little lines she has is that she she's she says she feels she's being pulled in like katherine keener is a trip advisor that she <laughs> Yeah. She can't get away from this insider information that she she's sort of addicted to it. She's sort right. of addicted to being able to peer into peer into him through through this portal of her and to figure out whether or not he's going to be good for her by looking through. And I think she gets addicted to that relationship with Catherine Keener as much as she is falling in love with James Gandolfini or, or she calls him adorable or she, she says, I'm, I'm, or, I'm adoring you already. Um, I think she gets addicted to her relationship with Catherine Keener. Uh, and she also has to pay for it. Like the scene yeah. where James Gandolfini uh, calls her out and says, you knew this, you knew this, you knew this at this time. Why did you do it? Uh, I mean, it was almost like a kid getting in trouble. So in a way, Kelly Wand, I kind of agree with you. Um, and she's doing the same thing with the, with the daughter, too. And I guess they do support each other. It's like it makes it seem like just a phase she's going through in general. What, what ultimately makes a lot of this work for me, Kelly Wand, what's the, what the key to this movie is and, and, and what keeps the situations from feeling, to me, ridiculous and implausible uh, is just Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. I mean, she's so good at being in these uncomfortable situations, and whether it's for comic value or just for the discomfort of it uh, and just how natural she is, like – you, when you can see it playing across her face that she's doing something wrong and she's conflicted about it, uh, she's so incredibly watchable. Uh, yeah. I, just, I, I love looking at her yeah. process as, as she's like thinking about these things and deciding what to do and, and reacting. Uh, and that does transcend my gripes, by the way. Like I really enjoy just watching her work. 
think she's a very gifted comedian. I I love her. I mean, I love the way she looks. I love the way uh, she looks her age and the way Catherine Keener looks her age. They both look natural, and they're so freaking sexy. Um, I love the way everybody looks in this movie. I don't don't know. I I guess that's on purpose, the way Nicole Hall Center shoots them, but um, they look they look just right. They look yeah. just right, and they're just so they're just so their age. And I really, I'm, I guess, because I'm of that age too, uh, I'm really attracted to that. I really yeah. like the way they look, and that they let themselves look that way, and they're not like doing a bunch of um, a bunch of crazy makeup or a bunch of plastic surgery or or, or camera tricks to hide how old they are. Um, Julie Lee Dreyfus looks a little haggard at times and confused and. And I just love that. I love the way they look. There is a, a great line uh, at some point. I think it's Julie Louise Dreyfus talking about James Gandolfini when she says, middle-agedness is comforting and sexy. <laughs> and I was kind of like, well, yeah, I can see that. Sure. I do yeah, find they myself can't run. <laughs> <laughs> but she's so – that's the thing. Is like She's so charming and witty. She seems incapable of making that big a mistake or like sabotaging that relationship i don't know because she never seems she never becomes a train wreck she's kind of she kind of keeps her dignity all the way up until she's inadvertently being cruel well yeah it's no blue jasmine (laughs) (laughs) it's about a fun lady acting out for a little while and then going all right seriously and then everything's fine again have you been on that date kelly wand Uh, what has anyone here seen the other uh, Nicole Hall of Center movies? There are other ones. So I I was convinced that there's a movie called Lovely and Amazing with Brenda Blethyn. Am I saying her name right? Uh, and Catherine <laughs> Keener and Emily Mortimer uh, that I've seen that I really like. And, and Walking and Talking was her not her first movie, but like her first early movie that I think got a wider release. Um, but she did some great movies with Catherine Keener before anybody knew who Catherine Keener was. I think she helped put Catherine Keener on the map. Uh, the last couple of movies I have not seen though. Um, and actually I, she's kind of known for dealing at, yeah, I, I guess you'd call them chick flicks. Like, uh, you, you well, this is a chick flick, isn't it? I would almost say, I mean, it's very, isn't it a romantic comedy? Those are chick flicks. Well, things like Lovely and Amazing and Walking and Talking are about the relationships specifically amongst women. And the men are just kind of like in the background. I mean, they're, they're a part of their lives, but it's not specifically about the relationships between men and women. This, as a relationship between a man and a woman, I think of more as a romantic comedy. Uh, Lovely and Amazing and Walking and Talking are more traditional chick flicks, I guess. Romantic comedy, they have to get, they have to finally get together at the end. And then if they don't, it's not a romantic comedy. Then it's what? A tragedy? Yeah, then it's a tragedy. <laughs> tragedy plus time equals romantic comedy. One, two, three, not only you and me. Got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, beat upon that free. Sorry, yeah. Were you uncomfortable to see Ben Fal- Falcone without um, without um, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy? Was that was that at all disturbing? Oh, that's who that was. <laughs> Wait, so he was married to the British chick, right? Or he yeah, was and he's mother. Melissa McCarthy's he's Melissa McCarthy's real life husband, and they've played sure. husband and wife in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's the male her. He's, he's made them. Uh, well, let's. Let, let's do a three by three then, um, Kelly. Why don't you tell the folks what this week's three by three is? It wasn't mine, but okay. 
I think it was something Dom Dingus said. <laughs> Didn't know it was it was Tom's. See, as a mistaken identity, Kelly Juan, you could have uh, explained it, but I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. So this week's three by three, we just want examples of mistaken identities. I'm a sticky for Dingus. It's happened before. It's happened. Uh, <laughs> since who's actually I forgot to check this. Who's three by three is next week? Who's introducing next week's I'm, Kelly Wan? It's you, right? Oh, what? Dingus, it's you. So Dingus, since you are introducing next week's three by three, why don't you start us off with your number three pick for a favorite mistaken identity from a movie? Maybe you got a line from it. Oh, sure I do. <laughs> what was that? Uh, here's my line. Oh, Dusty, infamous is when you're more than famous. This man, El Guapo, is not just famous, he's infamous. Three amigos. Of course. Tom wouldn't know that. No, Tom's never seen Three Amigos. Tom hates non-colors. Wait, uh, Dusty was Steve Martin. Right, hey. D- Dusty Bottoms. Yeah, Dusty <laughs> that's Bottom. his name. Actually, that's Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is Dusty Bottoms. Um, uh, Lucky Day is right. Steve Martin, and then and Ned Nederlander. Short, right? Ned Nederlander is Martin Short. And the, the mistaken identity is, is of course, uh, because Carmen, the, the girl from the village uh, of uh, Santa Poco, um, sees the silent film and thinks that they're real heroes and uh, telegrams them to come to help her village fight against El Guapo, uh, thinking they're real heroes. And the mistaken identity is they show up, everybody thinks they're real heroes, they think they're there to do a show. Uh, because the telegram gets shortened because they can only afford, I don't know, I think it's like 10 pesos or something to send the telegram. And so instead of saying that they're going to show up to do a show of strength, the telegram operator just uh, telegrams them to come up and do a show. Uh, and they uh. think infamous means that El Guapo is more than famous. And so they show up and everybody thinks these three goofy silent film actors are real heroes. Um, and I just remember, to, I just have such a place in my heart for this dopey movie. Three amigos, huh? Yeah. Huh. That's right. <laughs> Diggis, I don't know if you know this. Sorry. I don't know if you know this, but that's, uh, that's based on Seven Samurai. That's like a standard Seven Samurai. Bugs Life, I believe, it's, is the same it's thing. It's really not. No, it's based on Magnificent Seven. I'm sorry. Magnificent Seven, Dadgummit, which is, ba- wait. What? It's just the same thing. That's oh, based. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Why did you pick that rather than the source material? Uh, because I get more joy out of it. Ah, good point. That's it's not a, a one, of identity. one of them's a grandpa movie. Yeah, Ooh. bad grandpa. <laughs> oh God! Cool. Did you? Have- uh, uh, wait a minute, Dingus. Are you saying you get more joy out of Three Amigos than Bugs Life? Even? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say. I agree that. with that one. Who is the villain in Three Amigos? El Guapo. El Guapo. Which is, I mean, what, who's the actor? Uh, Ara- uh, Alfonso Arau, is that his name? Yeah. Benjamin. Exactly. I rest my case. I would rather a far more compelling villain, Kevin Spacey as a grasshopper. Oh, See? So typecast. See what I did there? Doesn't she go, I like the one who's not very smart, and then all the other village girls go, which one again? <laughs> you like that, Tom? I think they were uh, talking about this podcast. See, they yeah. What's the what's the counterpart for that, Kelly Wand in Bugs Life? Dingus is the Martin Short. Tom's obviously the Chevy because he's tall. <laughs> <Left> the <finish. laughs> 
and I'm the dancer. <laughs> there aren't many groups where I would be the tall one. Surely so, no. Gray. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kelly One, what's your number three favorite pick for a mistaken identity? Uh, my number three pick for a mistaken identity in a motion picture is a movie Bad Boys 1, in which T. Leone thought Martin Lawrence was Will Smith's character, The Bachelor, and Martin Lawrence was married, so that she thought Will Smith's married, and she keeps hitting on Martin Lawrence, even though he's married. Because explaining would have taken forever. They could have just gone, oh, by the way, I'm that one, I'm this other one. But instead, like, the whole movie. Nothing, it never pays off, either. It's just like, but it's still really good, and that's why it's my number three. Uh, I'm a bad boys apologist. I'll go with you there, Kelly. Kelly, I'm not even going to ridicule your pick. It was also Tia Leone during her hot phase. And she's the one who gets mistaken about their identities. You make it sound like she's not still in that phase. Did, did, uh, is there something in Spanglish? Spanglish, yeah. Pretty much everything in Spanglish. All right. And Jurassic Park 3. Who directed Bad Boys? Uh, Michael Bay. Do you realize Tom that... Perry. We could be doing a Michael Bay movie, but instead we're doing a Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. He's the black Michael Bay. Look, I'm oh. willing to, if you guys want to, I will watch Armageddon again this week. We don't have to only watch the Tyler Perry movie. We could also watch Armageddon. I have the Blu-ray version, or it's not blue I have the Criterion Edition DVD. We can watch it as soon as we're done watching the Tyler Perry Is movie. there a Criterion Collection version of edition of, Par- of How I Got Married Again? I don't know that there's even such a movie. What's it called? <laughs> Why I Got Married Twice. It's called The Rock, too. The Rocks. Welcome. All right. So, Bad Boys. Uh, once again, it's nice to see a, a Michael Bay movie that isn't Armageddon occasionally making the 3 by 3 It's nice to see it. <laughs> uh, my number three pick uh, is, a bo- is a body switch movie, A Mistaken Identity, Kelly Wand? <gasps> uh, yeah, sure. Okay. I can watch over and over and over again and have... Some of the scenes in the change-up. Uh, <laughs> why are you laughing at that? Because I like you, and I like that movie. <laughs> I like the scene you made me watch, but I wonder if the whole movie is as good as that part. But it's the part where I go, they never confess that they change bodies, and you know they do, like 20 minutes into the movie, then you made me watch it. It was pretty funny. And I love that scene with Leslie Mann. Uh, uh, hit them with inner tubes or something? or like tubes. Uh, they're just rolled-up architecture page things. Um Oh, uh, what, do you call, what do architects have? Diagrams, maps, whatever they use, plans. Blueprints. Blueprints, thank you. Campbell. Diagnostics. Is that what you said? Uh, but what I love about the movie is is Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds just are so invested. They really are. It's not one of the – they didn't just show up for a paycheck, it didn't seem like. They're both having fun playing each other. And, and I, I love, love, love a scene where Jason Bateman's character is a, is a high-powered lawyer – and he's in the middle of brokering a big deal between his company and some Japanese firm. And he switches bodies with Ryan Reynolds, who's just a dippy actor. So the joke is you have Ryan Reynolds as a dippy actor inside Jason Bateman's body. And he's got to go into this meeting and fake that he knows how to handle it. And Jason Bateman assures him, look, it's just going to be a straightforward, formal thing. Just keep your head down. Don't mess it up. And he goes in and totally screws it up, calls attention to himself. I love that scene. I could watch that over and over again, just like the Leslie Mann scene. Um, uh, but the one where she's topless? She's also, yeah, there's some very uh, memorable Leslie Mann nudity uh, in the change-up. Just take it easy on the Thai food. 
so there's my number three pick is the change up, which I think is a, a legitimately good movie, even though it's a body switch movie. So like the whole movie, not same thing as Dingus, although and me too, actually. So same thing as everyone. Like the whole premise of the movie, not like a scene. Oh, as far as my own pick, uh, yes, I'd go with the whole premise of the movies, but spe- specifically a couple of the scenes. Yeah. So. Sweet. All right. Uh, Dingus, what is your number two pick for a favorite mistaken identity? All right, here's a quote from it. You gentlemen aren't really trying to kill my son, are you? Obviously, it's taken. Starring Liam. Uh, prisoners? <laughs> Savages. No. Martyrs. Something else plural. No, there's no plural. Plan- planet- planets of the ape. I give up. Uh, what if I tell you the the mistaken identity is George Chevy. Kaplan, and ah, the, right. the the person who is being mistaken is named Roger Thornhill. Tom wouldn't know it. No, I know. I mean, there's a bunch of great things you could do with Hitchcock movies. Uh, yeah. This one is so. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely understand this one being picked. Although when it begins with the letter V, I personally prefer. I. I love this one because uh, okay, this is North by Northwest. I love this one because it's so frustrating to me to watch it. Uh, it's it, the the moment where it happens in that in that hotel in that restaurant. The, that moment is is and it, it, this sort of links to what we were talking about with enough said because it's almost like a three's company moment. It's almost a sitcommy moment where like somebody gets called for a phone call, the wrong person raises his hand at the wrong point, goes to pick up the phone at the wrong point and it would just be so easily solved if just one person said one word. Um and I love that all of the that 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 Hitchcock uses that sort of like little tiny linchpin to make this whole great drama spin out. Uh, I love North by Northwest. Um, and every time I watch it, though, in that scene, I just think just, you guys, that's not the guy. It's simple. It would be so simple to, to solve this. And I, and I love that every time I watch it, I, I think that. I think that there's no way you should think that that's George Kaplan. It would be so easy to solve this. Um, the movie would be a lot shorter too. It yeah. would be. It would be certainly a lot shorter. And and you know, in fact, uh, I I was uh, substitute teaching in a class for first graders, and there was a the I was supposed to read a book to these kids, and the book was called like the Interrupting Chicken, and there's this. <laughs> it was about this, this little chicken who uh, his his uh, his chicken dad is reading him a good night story, and uh, and oh, he starts he starts the story, and he's like. Okay, so Hansel and Gretel are going into the forest, and the chi- and every single time the father starts reading the story, the chicken just jumps in and goes, "No, it's a witch! Stop it!" And that is the end of the story. And so every story ends immediately because the chicken resolves it immediately by interrupting every single story. Um, and that's what I think as a child, as sort of a childish viewer of a movie like this, where I'm like, "Why doesn't somebody just jump in and say his name is Roger Thornhill? We guys cut it out." Um, but I so love they need that. an interrupting chicken in the movie. <laughs> they need an interrupting chicken in this movie. But I love that Hitchcock sort of hangs the whole plot. Hitchcock on, do too. <laughs> very nice on this ridiculous moment of of who takes the phone call and who who stands up and who sees who in that little moment, um, and that it transcends that idea of sort of that sitcomy threes company thing. Uh, and and becomes much more than that. But I this for this for me, I understand what Tom's saying about Vertigo. But I just I love this movie so freaking much. 
Is yeah, that Vertigo like- is not going to be uh, – no mere interrupting chicken is going to sideline the, the deep psychological problems Jimmy Stewart's character has in Vertigo. Right. You'll call foul if they try. Uh. Hey, is that the only thing the chicken's known for? Like someone else has to say something before he can do his – Well, the uh, – uh, it, it's just a, it's it's like a little kid being read a story at night, and and every time the father reads a new story, the the little chicken jumps in and interrupts and, and ends the story immediately. He just says, you know, oh no, it was just an acorn that fell in your head. Don't worry about it. And so they didn't. The end. Uh, but it's not all right. A lot and of so, stories would be a lot shorter with interrupting chickens. And so chicken little. The the father falls asleep and was the paranoid. Little chicken, the little chicken puts him to bed. It's a very sweet story, and the kids loved it. Wait, we the should dad do a goes on it. Yeah. Kelly Wand, maybe you have a line from your number two pick for a favorite mistaken identity. All right, I'm kind of paraphrasing, and I'm not a good actor. Uh, is this as strange as paradise? No, it's worse. What's the mistaken identity there? At the end, the girl gets mistaken for a, a different girl, and then someone just hands her a bunch of money. She was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, by the way, whatever became of her, Hester Belint. I uh, always remember her name. She's she was, Foxy. She really was, yeah. What country were they from? Uh, Yugoslavia, I think. Yeah, I really uh, liked her. Man, that was a, a huge childhood crush on her from that Yeah, movie. and it's a really funny – it's basically a deus ex machina, but it ends in chaos instead of fixing everything. And I think that's her thing, is she has a, t- a shitload of money. They went to Miami to get money, right? It's about a dog race. Uh, I don't remember the specifics. I just remember Hester Belint, John Lurie, and who's that other guy? Eddie? Uh, that guy is in Yeah. Eddie Deason. No, I don't remember his last what name. Mo- what movie are we talking about? Strange. Strange- oh, sorry, Kelly Wan, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you can say it. Uh, yeah, as Kelly Wan said, uh, Stranger Than Paradise. It might be Jim Jarmusch's... First, first, yeah, I think so. First one I saw by him. I love the part where he's explaining to her about uh, American idioms, and and he just makes up. Uh, Here, when we vacuum, we call it uh, choking the alligator. Uh, <laughs> she believes him because she doesn't know any better. It's uh, it's so adorable. That's how guys are. <laughs> we got names for everything. Uh, but that's right. It does have the. So why does someone give her money? They think she's someone else at the end? Yeah, and then you don't even know that's what's going on. It's like a, a woman just comes up and goes, about time you showed up, and then gives her the money. And then she walks away, and then there's like a long beat, and then the woman who was supposed to get it comes into the shot. <laughs> oh, Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> yeah, and it's a movie. It's like, you have to, it's like, you've already watched the movie for an hour by that point. It's just like still shots, like super slow pacing, people driving in the snow. Really black slow. and white. Yeah, black and white. Nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, there's a super fucking weird. It's not a movie where you expect anything to happen, and then that happens, and it's really funny. Oh, Hester Belint. That takes yeah, me back, Kelly Wan. Thank you. I, I miss her. Let's yeah. find her. Did she vote on anything? I don't know. Did she listen to the podcast? Hester, if you're listening to the podcast, drop us a line. We'd, we'd love to know what you're up to. <laughs> that is a good one, huh? That is a good one, yes. All right. Uh, all right, so I can't give you guys a line for my number two pick because it's in French. Furthermore, I'm not sure it's my favorite case of mistaken identity because I really – it's just uncomfortable and grueling and just – Oh, no, don't the- do this. Oh, no, 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 no. Really? No. Should I pick something else, Dingus? Oh, oh God. Oh. 
I know what? it's terrible, isn't it? It's a oh, rough this one. It's horrible. Oh. But it's so it's so crucial to the substance of the movie. I mean, and I and I, I the first time face. the first time oh, I saw it. the movie, the first time I saw this movie, I don't even think I realized that it was a mistaken identity. It was only afterwards someone was telling me. And it's like, no way. No. No, it can't be. It's like I was railing against the cosmos. I couldn't believe that. And of course it's obvious if you go back and watch Irreversible. Oh, uh, and, and movie. look at the guy's face as as the guy's getting hit on the head the 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 real guy as you see him looking on with like, this beautiful disgust and and not disgust but he's taking pleasure in the moment that it's a mistaken identity moment oh tom damn it yeah so so irreversible would be a revenge movie if it didn't end or because it's a sequence of events strung together backwards if it didn't begin with a mistaken identity uh and the the identity of the guy who is not been outed for the revenge uh, is he is just laughing uproariously. Wow. He finds it hilarious, and I don't even think he knows necessarily what he's getting That's away with. Right. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and as an audience member, you don't know. The first time you see it, it's not clear. Um, but when later you see that this is the guy that they're looking for, but he's not the guy that gets punished in the beginning slash ending of the movie. Just the mistaken identity is so integral to to what makes Irreversible such a grueling experience. <sighs> Uh, after everything the characters go through, it all comes to naught. Um, and it's kind of the point of the movie. I mean, it's it's this incredibly nihilistic uh, story from uh, Gaspar Noé. Um, Just that guy's reaction makes it so disgusting. It's so infuriating that he's standing there watching that happen and laughing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe you did that. Well, that's there you really, go. That's a really great pick, but I'm really... Terrible no, if only there was a way we could go back and keep Tom from picking that. If only there was a word for it. <laughs> uh, Dingus, get, get us out of here. What, what do you have as maybe a, a nice little palate cleanser for your number one pick? Ew, maybe too you've soon. A, maybe you've got a line from it. Uh, here's a line from it. Just wish, just wish me luck. Just wish me luck. Call me if there's a war. Uh, Dingus, try it one more time and try to not screw it up. Uh, I apologize. Just wish me luck. Call me uh, if there's a war. What? Obviously, that is from Armageddon. It's not. Well, there's no war in that movie. They fight a there's, rock. A, there's a war against asteroids. There's a war against screenwriting. <laughs> How dare you? I mean, uh, what's remember, the line again? Remember when I tried to convince you that the script for The Happening is actually good? Remember when you tried to convince me enough said was about Stan Lee and started hearing Stan? <laughs> uh, I don't think I know this movie, Dingus. It's probably some black and white grandpa movie. Uh, it is not. I love this movie so much, and I got to watch it again this week. Oh, wait a minute. I know it. Hold on. To Kelly Wan, is he do, is he picking something from Midnight Run? Is it when you fet bought a cotto Wait, say it again. Go back again. <laughs> when you back it, I did some cabbage. I'm mostly. Is it when you fet Cotto's badge gets stolen from Midnight Run? Is that what Dingus is doing? Well, yeah. actually, I tried not to choose something that was somebody doing, like, uh, impersonating somebody else, because that's not really mistaken identity, but I I kind of failed with this last one. So I did not choose Agent Mosley from Midnight Run, although that's a great one, Tom. You you should use that as your number one. Well, maybe I will. Uh, I don't think I know this movie, Dingus. Have I seen it? Uh, I have no idea if you've seen it. Um, it is uh, a romantic comedy, actually. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, I thought you liked those, Tom. If they're about old people. Yeah, like Hope Springs. Oh, that movie was awesome. I love that Hope Springs. Is it Hope Springs? Or Dingus? Hope Floats. Uh, Hope Floats is not about old people. Hope 
Paris, Texas. It's Hope and Glory. Oh, I like that movie. That's definitely not about old people because he's like a he's a teeny kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Dingus. What is this movie that you're uh, making us guess a line from that not, none of us has seen? Uh, so this is the movie Dave. <laughs> is that the one where Eddie Murphy's a spaceship? Oh, it's me. No, it's the one where like uh, Kevin Klein yeah, is the president. president. He's it's like president of Zenda. Dates, yeah, and he dates Annette Benning. The president of Zenda. No, no that's, that's the American Pilots. president. Ha ha, Tom. Oh no, no, it's the one where Ke- no, no, it's the one where Kevin Costner cast the final vote to elect Kevin Klein as the president of the United States. Right, that's exactly right. And he's a rookie. He's a forty-two-year-old rookie. It's a Kevinoff. <laughs> okay. So- Exactly. Dave, really, Dingus? Dave? Oh, I love, I love the movie Dave, Dave so much. It's such a brilliant performance. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Klein plays this. Uh, uh, well, he plays a couple of roles. He plays the president of the United States, but he also plays this uh, guy who runs a temp agency, and his name is David Kovic. And um, the uh, Secret Service has to find a guy who can double for the president. Uh, like just outside of like a hotel room. It can happen, Tom. Doubles double happen. Dave, once again, Dingus, this is just a remake of Moon Over Parador, whatever that Richard Dreyfuss thing is. Or, or, or the, of the dictator, the, the Charlie Chaplin thing. Yes, but it's it? North America. <laughs> yes, but it's funny is the difference between that. and yeah, Did you just slam Charlie Chaplin? That's right. And, and Dreyfuss. Charlie Chaplin under the train. I will not take that. But if it's Buster Keaton, he's on the train. And uh, but so it's Kevin Klein pretending like as a body double for the president. That's the well, joke. Well, he's just this, this normal guy, and and so the the president ends up having a stroke because he's with his mistress, played by Laura Linney. Ooh, oh hello. That's no Hope Davis, but I'll take it. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Hope and Glory Davis. Um, and so the president is in sort of a stroke-induced coma, and uh. so. Um, Oh God, Franklin Jella uh, oh, yeah. hatches this plan to have the, this guy who was just going to be there as like the body double just to walk out while the president goes off to do something else, um, run the government for a couple of months while while he figures out what to do next. And I just love this this. What I mainly love is the way Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein their chemistry develops because oh, yeah. she's the first lady and she's sort of figuring out the fact that this guy that she is completely estranged from, although she's the first lady, um, isn't really her husband, although he looks exactly like him, and she couldn't tell the difference because she hasn't been with him for years. And so she figures it out, and then there's this weird chemistry that develops between them. And it's also really great to see the way Kevin Klein plays both parts, um, and the way he develops this part of the president, because he's actually sort of He's he's an impersonator of the president. He's not just some dude who looks like him. He he goes to like uh, used car <laughs> dealerships to pretend to be the president. So he's actually studied the guy's mannerisms and stuff like that. So it's a little bit of a cheat because I didn't want to do an impersonation. But I love the uh, mistaken identity as far as from the wife's point of view, from Sigourney Weaver's point of view of going in. And there's this wonderful moment where he's in the shower singing Hail to the Chief. He's the one we all say hail to. Hail to the Chief because <laughs> he keeps himself so clean. And she comes in and opens the shower and she's like, turn around and talk to me. And she like, and she talks to him and she like, looks down and she's clearly doesn't recognize that. Um, and they have, doesn't recognize what? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Is, Is that thing's name Dave? There's a, yeah. <laughs> Little Dave. <laughs> yeah. 
the Speaker of the House doesn't appear to be somebody she <laughs> recognized. Uh, Talk anyway. about dangling chads. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, it was directed by Evan Reitman. I think... Uh, uh-oh. Uh, right. I know, uh-oh. Um, but I think it was written by Gary Ross, but I'm not sure. But I love, I love Dave. I love this movie so much. So, yeah, it's my favorite mistake. So, Dave is the pre- what they call the president? Yep. Oh, okay. Dingus, you had me until Ivan Reitman. Now I'm concerned. <laughs> Remember was the time you tried to drill a hole in your head? That reminds me of this. I don't know what you're quoting, but it sounds like an Ivan Reitman movie. Actually, is it Ghostbusters Ivan Reitman? Yeah. So that it's like early the... Ivan Reitman. It was like before that, that Evolution movie that he did with, uh, with the a X-Files guy. Ghostbusters. Yeah. It was a pair. And then uh, he made Legal Eagles after Ghostbusters. To, that was his free ride. Huh. All right, so I, you know what? I might put Dave along Groundhog Day uh, as a movie that I should see again. Wait, Groundhog Day was Harold Ramis. So right, but just as far as like uh, early comedies that I'm sure I enjoyed when I saw them but haven't revisited. No, Groundhog Day is great. You crazy? What I, yeah, it sounds like Dave is great too, according to uh, Vegas. I don't know. It sounds a little political. I'm okay car with lots. I don't know. Romantic comedy? Political. Kelly Wan, give me a line from your number one pick for a favorite mistaken identity. Uh... Uh, smells like carpet cleaner. Uh, that's the actor in another movie, so that's your hint. Because I don't, I don't remember. Don't think I've seen this. Okay, how about now? <laughs> <laughs> JK, uh, the movie Angel Heart, in which see, I don't want to give away Angel Heart. Yeah, just... so that's tough because things like Angel Heart. There's a I thought of uh, Lone Star. Oh, yeah. What's the other one? Uh... Yeah, you can't... But Angel Heart's a great example of it. So just take my word for it, and I won't talk right. about it. So right. It's two for me not talking. And- oh, Old Boy? That's the other one I thought of. Everybody's seen Old Boy by now, right? But there's a remake with Josh Brolin. I've only seen the remake. Um, <laughs> you have it. It's not out yet. It's a Spike Lee movie. I've... What? Uh, with Josh Brolin, and I think one of the... Who was the, the girl from uh, Marcy Marth- Martha Marcy May Marlene? Smith Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Isn't it Elizabeth Olsen and Josh Brolin in the Old Boy remake? What's his name? Say it again. Josh Brolin? Uh, yeah. yeah. And what's her name? <laughs> Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen? And what's the movie's called? <laughs> All right. Old Boy directed by Spike Lee. Okay, you win this one, Chick. Uh, but yeah, Angel Heart, good pick. Dingus, do you accept that as a mistaken identity? Alan Parker movies. Yeah, you're the one who has to be the arbiter of whether or not it's but I need advice. I need advice from my right hand dingus. Okay, well it's not only Mickey Rourke's mistake identity, but instead of having sex with Lisa Bonet, at the end he finds out he had sex with Tempest Bledsoe. I don't get that reference. It's Cosby Show. <laughs> sex joke. TV man, you can't do TV references around me, Kelly. I only TV. watch I'll bite sitcoms. Tom prattled. All right, my number one pick, <laughs> uh, and it's the whole movie. Um, I, I, so. The whole idea, like Peter Sellers, just made a, a, a just a, a career almost out of these Pink Panther movies, where he's really a, a nitwit, but he f- tricks people and they don't realize he's a nitwit. The whole what, Clouseau, the whole Inspector Clouseau shtick. Um, he doesn't trick everybody. Is a classic, right? Right. Like some people, it's like Herbert Lom, right? Herbert Lom is on to him, but I, I think I don't know how much this figures into my number one pick. Probably somewhat because it's a different take on that kind of thing. But I have to go with Chauncey Gardner in being there. Uh, uh, just the entirety of the movie and what the movie says about 
identity and the nature, you know, what qualifies as wisdom. You know, he says these very simple things to complicated people and they interpret it as wisdom. Um, and and the, the absolute innocence of his character uh, and his mistaken identity, though. Yeah, they, they mistake him for a brilliant. Yeah, like a political advisor and a financial advisor and a lover, and he's mistaken for all kinds of things, and he's really just a cipher for, for all of these people. Um, so, yeah, my number one pick is Paddy Chayevsky. Am I saying his name right? Uh, being there. Yeah. Yeah. He was good in Prisoner of Zenda. That's another mistaken identity one. Wasn't he on a remake of that? I have not seen it. Um, is it a con- is it played as a, it's a comedy, right? Yeah, I think he lights a guy's butt on fire with a frying pan. <laughs> Sorry, I that. It's got political points to make, too. Like electric horse. <laughs> Movies are so much better than sitcoms. In the novel, they didn't come across the same way. But, yeah. I, I mean, his identity... Never mind. I'm being dumb, probably. No, go ahead. What? Well, just like, identity implies that they think he's someone else, but in this... They do. Case, yeah, but they don't think he's someone else specific. They just think they've, they're misreading what he's really like. They like they think business. he is specifically somebody else because he said because of the way he says his name. They think he's somebody else's name. But he's not. He's not someone who exists. He's someone that they go. Oh, your name's Chauncey Gardner. Yeah, and they and they create his identity for themselves. I mean, it's it's this brilliant sort of we're going to spin your identity out of whole cloth because of what we expect of you. So instead of him being Chance, he's Chauncey Gardner, and they 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 create an identity. I mean, that, this is the ultimate sort of mistaken identity movie because they cre- everybody, including the media, creates who he is, and he has no idea. And furthermore, so, Kelly Wan on the streets early on, the black guy thinks that he's uh, he's a, a sort of a, a Raul. emissary from no not Raymond. Raul. No, keep going. Raphael. Raphael. Tell Raphael. Raphael. <laughs> Do the key. Remember the whole line? Oh, it's something like, tell Raphael if he sends any jive-ass honky down to talk to me. It's I, I wish I could, uh, but I, I can't do that. Justice. Doesn't he keep cracking up at the end? And, uh, oh, that's what's so wonderful. That is one of those great moments of, of uh, outtakes. I, I mean, yeah. Tell Raphael. <laughs> he says it's so good. That's All right. Uh, Paul Weimer writes to us and says, oh, he stole one of my runners up. Paul Weimer. Mm. His number three pick, he, he, take, he does open with a completely lame one, so that's okay. His number three pick, <laughs> in unknown, Liam Neeson's character awakens from a coma to find his identity seems to have been stolen from him. What? Or, or is it? Oh, uh, wow. Ha ha, Paul Weimer saw unknown. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the one he stole from me, uh, and I love this one for how it's a... Uh, Did he see unknown because of us? So I hope not. Can, can, I hope can so. we make fun of him? Grace, even though she's not in it. Uh, his number two pick, this is the one that I'm uh, angry about because this is a great one. In The Big Lebowski, the movie plot starts off when the dude is mistaken by some thugs for a millionaire of the same name. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that off the IMDb synopsis? <laughs> that's where Cormac McCarthy writes. His work. Uh, and Paul's number one pick, which I'm sure Dingus would agree with, almost. Uh, Paul Weimer writes, is there a better number one for this topic than North by Northwest? Ah, uh, Dingus would I don't say, know. yes, there is. But... It's Vertigo. Right? I, I like, I just, I 
you can tell like some people are vertigo people some people are north by west i think i'm a north by northwester too because it's like in vertigo and i think the ending's kind of abrupt and weak in and, vertigo no i love the movies it ends like an opera i love that about vertigo uh, and also she's the mistaken identity there's a kelly one not all stories need a, a convenient little denouement you can just end right at the climax i love that about vertigo that's awesome if north by northwest did that i would be on board with it but okay <laughs> I'm actually a rear window person, but I don't know. That. I bet you are. Uh, uh, we're talking about movies, though. <laughs> Fred and Lynn write uh, The Prisoner of Zenda. Ah, see? Or is it the older one that <laughs> they I... They specify this is Lynn's pick, and she's not sure which of the six productions she has seen, but probably the 1952 one and not the Peter Sellers version from 1979. Uh, so there you go. I saw it in the theater because I'm younger. The number two pick, the comically brilliant Jackie Chan affair, Twin Dragons. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. And number one, oh, this looks interesting. I don't know that this is mistaken identity, but, uh, well, okay, number one, Multiplicity, three Michael Keatons. That's not mistaken. Or is it? Are there scenes uh, where he has to go to work and have sex with the wife? Like can change up. Mm, have no, you seen it? I've it's also seen. Ivan Reitman, isn't it? Sounds about right, Kelly Wong. You've lost interest, I hear you. <laughs> uh, and their runner-up is, of course, they write, North by Northwest. Aw. A.E. Mahadi writes, Gosford Park, in a house filled with people who had reason to murder its owner, Ryan Philippe's young blonde footman stands out. Philippe's character is unmistakably putting on an act, adopting a Scottish accent from the first moment we see him. The question for the audience and the people in the house is why, and is he concealing something more? I'm glad somebody picked Gosford Park. I love that movie. Yeah. Number two. What? What is this? Penelope. Uh, Do you guys know what this movie? is? There's a movie called Penelope. Apparently, uh, A.E. writes. Yes, it's a film most teenage or college girls have seen, but this <laughs> is actually a fairly deep exploration of women's image issues and public reception, and it's all about mistaken and authentic identity. The charmingly pig-nosed Penelope and her overly protective parents constantly attempt to obscure Penelope's identity because of her looks. Various suitors attempt to woo her for prize money, but one of these turns out to be an insecure douche lord who just wants her photo in the press. I thought Britain got rid of those in the after the storming of the Bastille. <laughs> to be cured of her curse, Penelope needs to be loved by someone of her own status. Is this just a wealthy person or someone who's actually like her? The mistaken identity here is not a man, but in fact Penelope herself who can break the curse. Mm. Sounds like a bit of a reach, A.E. I like what you're going towards, but I don't know. Women can be mistaken, too. Who's in that? Is that um, uh, Christina? No. Who is that? It sounds like – oh, A.E.'s first name is Ann, Annie, by the way. Uh, it sounds like Annie is describing some old grandpa movie, some British grandpa movie. <sighs> Darn it. It's some actress. It's not Christina. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, Andy or somebody else. I can't remember. Really? Yeah, it, it might be. Um, oh, darn it, I can't. Uh, Would you say somebody from Cheers or somebody else? Is that no, I thought I thought it was Christina Ricci, but I think it's uh, Anne Hath. No, not Anne Hathaway. Oh, forget it. Never mind. Uh, Go ahead. I just meant Anne Hath. Moving on. Uh, I love Annie's number one pick. I was glad someone worked this into it because it's a trademark of this gentleman's stories. Uh, Annie's number three pick. Did she go backwards or forwards? You know what? I'm going to assume it's her number one pick. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing, the 2012 production. Uh, Annie writes, 
While the party scene in the play is all about mistaken identity in the first place, I love how Joss Whedon sets the scene up. The main characters are at a swanky masquerade party, and mostly everyone is drunk. But it's Whedon's comedic timing that enhances the performance of this complicated scene of mistaken identity between the two sets of lead couples. Benedict and a very tipsy Amy Acker as Beatrice hilarious exchange. Who's Amy Acker, Kelly Wan? She's on Joss Whedon movies and T V series. She's good. Who was she in the Avengers? Uh she was Scarlet Witch. And also Vision. You're such a liar. I believed you briefly, but you're a big fat liar. No. She was Rose Byrne. What? She was Rose Byrne, the superheroine. Who, uh, I don't even think of X-Men, first of the all. The radioactive Rose Thorn pricked her... Wait. Who's the Acker woman from um, Watchmen? Uh, Malin, Malin oh, it's Malin Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah. Uh, all right. She's blonde and Amy Acker's brunette. Hi, hi, I always feel Watch. guilty about choosing seen. Shakespeare because it doesn't really count as movies. Uh, like tell that to Joss Whedon, Dingus. It's uh, just... The fellow with our favorite name here, Emmett Coffin, writes, uh, number three, catch me if you can. On his first day of classes, Frank is mistaken for a substitute teacher by the other students. Frank pretends to be the substitute for a week before he is caught. His father laughs about it with him afterwards. Wait, he passes checks as a substitute teacher? It's a difficult thing to do. Well, it's later in the movie that it gets more exciting when he has to pretend to be like a pilot and a doctor and stuff like that. Does he crash into Jennifer Garner's apartment? <laughs> Never mind. Emmett Coffin's number two pick, Back to the Future Part Two. Old oh. man Biff took the time machine back to give young Biff the sports almanac. Young Biff doesn't know who the old guy sitting in his car is, which makes for a great scene. And then number one, and uh, I, oh, good lord, Emmett Coffin. Well, as Emmett Coffin writes, this probably doesn't count. I'll say. <laughs> But everyone mistakes Bernie for being alive in Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> They're mistaken, though, because he's dead. That's, that's states. He's been misidentified as alive. Scott Andrews writes, uh, he says his favorite may or may not be a mistaken identity. Oh, this is my one of my runners-up. I love this one, Scott Andrews. Very nice. Uh, Ed Harris mistakes Vigo Mortensen for someone back in Philly in A History of Violence. I think director Cronenberg did a great job of balancing the mistaken identity versus new identity possible storylines, and that both storylines would have made good movies. Very good, Scott. That I like that. Mistaken identity, though, because he, he... Yeah, he's... Ah, 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 spoiler. Ah, 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 Wait a minute. Ah. You're, saying, you're saying very good. That's it's a mistaken identity for the first half of the movie, and the twist, hello, is that it's not a mistaken identity. It's a mistaken identity for us. All right, fine. Uh, I guess anything works. What's the matter with you people? It's an awesome pick. Anything works. Right. That, that was the name of this week's podcast movie. Okay, here. Let me let me see if this placates you guys. First of all, Scott Andrews picks uh, as the uh, Big Lebowski, but his other runner-up is Life of Brian. <laughs> That's a good one. That's <laughs> a, a really good one. Fine. That whole movie hinges on it. Yep, very good, Scott. I'll, I'll forgive you. Yeah, good. premise keeps going. Yes, very good choice. All right, what do you guys have as runners-up? Um, I have a little movie called Reindeer Games. <laughs> Dingus, are you just picking that because there's a line about it in The Avengers? Uh, yes, that's exactly why I'm doing it. Is there? Uh, yeah. What's the line in The Avengers about it? Calls uh, Loki Reindeer Games. Calls him Reindeer Games. Oh, 
Anyway, I, I love, I, I really, really have a soft spot <laughs> card for Ranger games. And, That's, uh, what? Well, he's not calling him that for the movie. He's calling oh, really? him the Rudolph. <laughs> I say. No, he's totally referencing the movie. But wait, that doesn't make sense because Ben Affleck's on the DC side because he's Batman. It's convergence. So it's okay. Okay, yeah. Continue. Wait a minute. Ben Affleck was also Marvel. Uh, I mean, Daredevil. Oh, yeah, it's Daredevil. So you're right. It does cross the streams, Kelly. So it is right. And Charlize Theron was ultraviolet. Oh, that's right. Charlize Theron was in Reindeer Games before we really knew who she was. Yeah. She was the femme fatale in it. The thing is, why do you have a soft spot for this supposedly horrible oh, yeah, movie? Yeah. Continue. I just, I just love it. I love this movie. I think you made me love it. I think you infected me with it. I don't know I what know. what the deal is, but I, I, I but I love that whole uh, mistaken identity with the letters thing, and it's just so ridiculous. I really, really love this movie. So yeah, Reindeer Games. Was it taps awesome. into our dread of Gary Sinise, and so is and so is face slash off. Uh, oh, I love that movie. Oh wait, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta replace my number one with Face Off. Nope, sorry. Your pick is Angel Heart. Just one, no. Angel Heart's so much not as good. It's good, but fucking Face Off rules. Uh, I'm surprised <laughs> nobody mentioned Memento. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Uh, boy, this I'm, this is hurting me now. <laughs> this was a great topic, I would say. And Face Off was the best fucking mis- mistaken identity movie ever made. And I'm really depressed right now. It's totally. I, let me let me dingus uh, begin with you an exchange about a mistaken identity. Uh, this doesn't it's not a it's not a big part of the movie, but it's significant enough. Uh, here we go, dingus. What about what's his name? What about him? Why don't you give him a call? Uh, I'm done. Oh my god, dingus can only get two lines into it. Dense oh. in. <laughs> There's just a great moment in a movie called With Nail and I with Paul McGann, uh, I think uh, is his name, and Richard E. Grant, where they're at a pub, and Paul McGann just suggests, why don't we call this one guy? And, and they just have a dialogue for a moment when Richard E. Grant has no idea what he's talking about, but lets the conversation go on. Uh, I love that little bit from With Nail and I. Um, the fake Marissa Vigler bit in Hannah, I always liked. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's great. Yeah. That's a great one. Holy cow! Uh, and one of my favorites would have to be, I don't know, I, I didn't pick this one because, well, you know what, I should have. Um, a, a, in the original Night of the Living Dead, uh, a, a fundamental part of what makes zombie movies zombie movies, and George Romero just, just nailed this, and it, it, it's, I, I think, crucial to what zombies are about, is the bleakness of the ending, and how the hero, you know, even though he's beat all the odds, including being a black man as the, as the action hero in a movie from back then, even though he survives the house being overrun, uh, he's, he's the sole survivor, and then at the end of the movie, he gets mistaken for a zombie by redneck militia and, and shot to death. Um, and that's such a part of zombie mythology, sort of the inevitability of a, of a bad ending, kind of. Uh, you know, and it also ties into this idea that, that we are them and they are us. You know, that's part of the, the fear that, that zombie movies are about, uh, with a little touch of racism. Um, so I, I love the mistaken identity at the end of Night of the Living Dead. Did we just see something where that happened? Did we what? Didn't we just see something where that happened where somebody got killed at the end? Because... They're mistaken for... Oh, darn it. The Divide? No, we just... <laughs> the God. Divide. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to uh, ruin your next. Oh, uh, yeah, never mind, it, never mind. But your next has a lot of people dying for various reasons. Uh, and mistaken identities. Yeah. Um, Remember when we saw the divide and I broke my foot on the door pretending that I hurt my nose? <laughs> so I moved to Canada with a broken foot. That's cool, huh, guys? That's, that's what happened. I love that movie. I moved to Canada with a broken foot. <laughs> uh, All right, well, that brings us to uh, any other runners-up. Anything? I just had ones where it's just the mistaken identity is the whole MacGuffin, like imposter identity, that John Cusack mm-hmm. movie. But face off, man. Fuck. That's the that to me is the change up of action movies where like well, but it's not as good an example as uh, Bad Boys, Stranger Than Paradise, or Angel Heart. <laughs> All right, this is the last podcast I've ever done. <laughs> well, then, Dingus, what three by three will you and I be doing? What will be next week's two by two if Kelly Wan is now quitting the podcast? Very upset. Right. <laughs> uh, in commemoration of the fact that we uh, we have revealed our listener submission uh, request. Uh, uh, charity drive thing uh i'm i'm going to have us do our best our favorite reveals um but i'm not necessarily thinking about like a crying game thing i'm I'm thinking more of a character kind of driven thing if you want to use uh if you want to use your favorite reveal at the end of a movie like a crying game kind of thing that's fine uh but i'm thinking more of like uh when you get to the end of or whenever it happens in uh, Napoleon Dynamite and it turns out that he can actually dance and that his dance is actually this really exciting and weird what what a weird kind of thing that he does this great little dance this nerd does this great dance and it's kind of a reveal that that gee he's going to do this and and he has this hidden talent so uh so that's the kind of reveal i'm talking about but you can kind of you can kind of flex it how you like it so this Kelly is Wand, your have, favorite reveal. Have we done this one before, Kelly Wand? Uh, probably. <laughs> I think it was mine. Uh, I dread this one, Dingus, for the floodgates you're going to open. I do not want to know reveals. So don't send well, in any the, picks from movies that I haven't seen. This is a problem. That's why I'm <laughs> sort of giving you the caveat of I, I don't want us to constantly be talking about what happens at the end of Memento or the beginning of Memento. Um, but uh, What I'm, about Psycho? See, Dingus, see, it started. It has begun. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll go All with right, my so second choice, which is... <laughs> the uh, color orange. Best uses of place. <laughs> uh, all right, so if you have any picks for your favorite reveals that you would like to send, send them to us at 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, and then an at sign, quarter to 3com uh, and also, see, why did I get married too? Oh my fucking god. Oh my fucking god. Oh my fucking god. Oh my fucking god. Pledge drive ends in fucking Breaking Bad-esque chaos. And there you go. That right there is a sample of what you're going to get in next week's Quadopsis. Oh <laughs> so. Is this out in theaters, or do we rent it? Does it exist yet? Is this a real movie? Yeah, this is it a real it. thing, yep. And uh, we will all be watching it together. Kelly, why are you going to come over and hang out with us? We're all going to have dinner and watch Why Did I Get Married 2, directed by and presumably starring Tyler Perry. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> so tune in for that next week. Oh, I have Tom God. Chick. I have been joined by uh, Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. Hey, Kelly Wand. Ah, uh-huh, I dreamed about you. Wait. And mistaken and identity. And Thor, and they thought he was the Human Torch. That was good. The Flash. Let's talk. 
Kelly Wand, remember Sharni Vincent? Yeah. Why can't I marry her? My dress. This song makes me think of her. God, I love this song so much. It's unreasonable how much I love this song. I know. Why did that happen, Dingus? What happened? I feel like I've been incepted. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happened. Why did I get married to from 2010? I'm sure it's out on DVD by now, Kelly Wong. Janet Jackson. Stop spoilers. Save it for the... Ah, ah, ah. That, that. What? That's a spoiler? Oh. I don't want to know anything about it. I'll, I mean, it's going to be turned on. I'm going to start watching it, and I'm going to know nothing about it. Urkel sent it. So, why did... What part of... <laughs> don't tell me. Do you not understand? You're, you're the Urkel of this podcast. I just, yeah, Kelly Wong. Oh, hey. I just... Uh, just for that, I'm not going to introduce you to Sharni Vincent. Wait, is she coming? Did they, uh, is she coming? We out? have a friend of, we mentioned this on the podcast for your next, but a friend of ours works at the the little production company that is doing Adam Wingard's next movie. So she's talked about, like, Adam Wingard is editing it, and he's been hanging around, and she just says hi to him and stuff. So, uh, it is entirely possible that one day I might, you know, I'm maybe only at this point, Four uh, places removed from meeting Sharni Vincent. Is she so, straight? Uh, who knows? Uh, she's Australian. Isn't that enough? Oh, crikey. <laughs> Kelly, if you really like Sharni Vincent, you would see the Step Up movie and Bait. That's not an X. This is an X. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. Next week's Pledge Drive winning motion picture, Why Did I Get Married To, is rated PG-13 for thematic material, including sexuality, language, drug references, and some domestic violence. (laughs) Uh, Sounds good. Blessings.